This episode is sponsored by Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management, experienced wealth planners and investment managers who offer unwavering support in challenging times. Visit candowealth.com for more information. Hello and welcome to Coffee House Shots, the Spectator's daily politics podcast. I'm Isabel Hardman and this is the Sunday Roundup. This morning was always going to be tough for whichever minister was landed with the media round. The Foreign Secretary, James Cleverly, found himself forced to address two highly inconvenient issues of integrity. Firstly, Laura Koonsberg raised the issue of the Conservative Party chairman, Wazim Zahawi, who has reached a settlement with HMRC over his tax affairs, which will see him paying nearly £5 million to the Exchequer. You've said you don't know if he paid a penalty. I'll ask you another question. Did he sort out this dispute while he was the Chancellor and therefore the boss of the taxman? Laura, as I said, I don't know any more detail about this than what was in Nadim's uh, statement. Uh, but as I say, uh, this, was, this was something which um, uh, has been described as um, uh, careless rather than intentional. Uh, and the, uh, the tax uh, requirement, the tax... Um, uh, that he was due to pay has now been fully paid. As we should again point out to our viewers, the word careless in this context doesn't mean, oh, whoops, I lost my tax return down the back of the sofa. That is a technical term used by the taxman to say that something went wrong. I've got another question for you. You say you haven't asked for any more detail, you don't know any more detail, but did the Prime Minister know about this before he gave Nadim Zahawi a job in his government? Well, Nadim uh, was... Uh, a senior member of uh, of cabinet. Uh, when you when you when you, you know, join cabinet, the the cabinet office uh, ensures that you go through a you know, a process, uh, a due diligence process. Uh, that is the right and proper role of the cabinet office. And Nadim said that he had conversations with the cabinet office about his uh, tax affairs. Uh, and of course, that is that is their job. That is their function on behalf of but did the, the prime, uh, minister prime minister. Know? I don't I don't know. You don't know. So I don't know what conversations the, I don't know what conversations the Prime Minister had on the appointment of any other minister. But All I know is the conversations that I had with the Prime Minister when he appointed me. I'm sure that is reflective of the conversations he had with others. And in those conversations, you talk about the priorities for the government, the priorities of the country, and what we need to do in our jobs as minister rather than our rather than um, uh, any external affairs. Those are the conversations when I've been appointed a minister that I have had, and I suspect that is the same for other ministers in government. Secondly, Sophie Ridge brought up the case of the BBC chairman Richard Sharp. The Sunday Times has reported that Sharp helped to arrange a sizeable loan for Boris Johnson shortly before he was appointed to the post. There is a serious report here uh, that Mr Sharp helped to guarantee a loan of £800,000 to a man who then recommended him for the job. And you are saying that you don't know if it's true or not because you haven't tried to find out. And, you know, it might be easy for you to be able to come here and say, look, I don't know, I wasn't to do with it. But it's not great for transparency, is it? Well, look, you're the journalist, not me. I mean, it's not... I mean, my role as Foreign Secretary is, as I say, to be the face and voice of this country uh, on the world stage, on the actions of our government and on behalf of our people. Um, and, you know, as I say, I've met Richard, I've spoken with him about the BBC World Service, which, of course, is a part of the BBC, which is of most directly relevant, uh, relevant to uh, my department and the functions of my department. Uh, the appointment clearly is one that requires someone of huge experience, Richard has that experience, 
and therefore um you know if he says that there's there's no conflict of interest uh, i know it's 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 quite tempting to say well hang on a second he's he's been a donor um, That's not what I'm saying. I, I want to I be really clear, that is absolutely not what I'm saying here. I'm talking about the specific allegation that he helped to guarantee an £800,000 loan to the Prime Minister who weeks later recommended him for the job. If that is true, what does that say about the character and integrity of Boris Johnson? Well, as I say, I don't know the details of that. You're, you're, you're putting these things forward. I've not had the chance to validate that. I'm not calling into question, of course... Um, uh, you know the uh, the integrity of any of the people involved in that reporting. I just don't know the detail of that. What I do know is that Richard steps into that job with a huge repository of wealth uh, and experience. This was appointment. This was an appointment made uh, by uh, um, uh, you know my predecessor. Uh, sorry, the, the the prime minister's predecessor, uh, but one. Um, but Richard does have a huge wealth of experience, and as I say, it is not unusual. For senior appointments into the BBC to, to, to be uh, uh, to go to people who have um, you know uh, links with political parties. Koonsberg had also pre-recorded an interview with Scotland's First Minister Nicola Sturgeon. The recent vote by the Scottish Parliament to make the process of changing one's gender subject to fewer restrictions is a subject of a huge rift with the UK government, who say that it undermines the nationally applied Equality Act. So if the argument of the UK government was that there's an issue that needs to be decided in court, the route they have chosen to take doesn't actually do that. They are exercising, Secretary of State exercising some kind of Governor General-like power to block a democratic decision that the Scottish Parliament is Well, actually, taking. it's one elected government, is it not, taking well, a decision to block something that another elected government has chosen to do in accordance with the law. I mean, you, you don't like it, but well, Section 35 I, I, I said, is set out there as something that the UK government well, can do. Well, I said do. earlier on, when we started this, uh, the UK government was also consulting on a similar proposal. 2018, you can go back and look at that. In that consultation, the UK government said the issue of gender recognition is devolved to the Scottish Parliament. Scotland can have a separate system uh, if it so chooses. What, what has changed about that? They did not raise these concerns mm -hmm. uh, with us directly during the, uh, the process of this bill. They wait till after so, the Scottish Parliament's passed it and they exercise so, so not what? something to take it to court, but a veto. It's outrageous. So and what it's are you going principle. to do? So, so what are you going to do? Can you confirm that you're going to seek a judicial review? Um, I've already said we will do everything to uh, stand up for and defend the legislation. The UK government are doing this for two reasons. And frankly, it's got nothing to do with concerns about the Equality Act. Firstly, shamefully, disgracefully, they're trying to stoke a culture war on the back of one of the most vulnerable groups in our society because they somehow think that plays well with their, their base well, ahead of the general election. they would, of course, election. dispute that very strongly. Of course strongly, they would dispute it, but, but you can get, you can get them on to dispute it. I know that, right? but they're stoking a culture war. And secondly, this is part of a pattern of undermining and delegitimising, seeking to undermine and delegitimise the Scottish Parliament. So the issues are really important, and I feel very strongly uh, that trans people should not be weaponised. Koonsberg asked Sturgeon if the Scottish Government's pro-trans legislation would be vulnerable to exploitation by potential sex offenders. Some women's groups feel they were not listened to carefully enough, who do have a concern that a tiny minority of predatory men could take advantage of the way that the rules have been changed to the detriment of biological women who were biologically female at birth. If their worst fears are realised, 
do you and the politicians who have voted for this potentially bear some responsibility for that? Look, politicians bear responsibility for any legislation they pass and, and the consequences of that. So, of course, I don't believe that will be the case. We tried very hard to listen carefully to all views in the two consultations that were held on this legislation. You know, some of the, the groups that work closest with women that are subject to uh, violence uh, by predatory men, domestic violence, uh, Rape Crisis Scotland, uh, Women's Aid Scotland, Zero Tolerance Scotland. These are groups that work with vulnerable women mm -hmm. every single day. Mm -hmm. These organisations support this legislation, so it's important to be clear. Yes, there are some that do that. and some that don't. Well, actually, most of the, the, the key women's organisations in Scotland do support this legislation. The fear that women have about predatory men accessing women-only spaces to abuse and attack women is very real. Women's, you don't have to show your birth certificate to access women's only spaces. So the point is this bill does not give a predatory man mm -hmm. any more ability to abuse women than that predatory man already has. The Shadow Chancellor also joined Coonsberg and used a phrase reminiscent of a former US president when asked about clearing up politics. We've got a situation now in um, the Conservative Party where you've got the chairman who used to be the chancellor, who it looks like has been fined a million pounds or more for not paying his taxes. You've got a deputy prime minister who's being investigated for bullying claims. And you've got a former prime minister who it is alleged had his extravagant lifestyle funded by a donor who was facilitated by the current chairman of the BBC, who incidentally got that job just after facilitating that arrangement. No, we but should we don't be clear know. that they've denied that anything went wrong in that whole scenario. Yeah, but no one but... seemed to think there was any need to declare uh, anything in terms of conflicts of interest. And, and Laura, you've got a prime minister who is too weak to do anything about it. And it's going to take an incoming Labour government to clean up this mess, drain the swamp, because frankly, it stinks. And finally, Rachel Reeves gave her account of what it was like to be in with the global elites in Davos. Some people might, in your party might look at that, the sort of images of your party leader and your shadow chancellor at Davos rubbing shoulders with essentially the sort of global financial 1% and kind of wince at that a bit. What would you say to them? Well, what I would say is that um, in the last few years, um, investment into Britain has fallen. Uh, our exports uh, have taken a, a hit mm -hmm. and our growth and productivity have been on the floor. And Keir Starmer and myself want to say, with an incoming Labour government, Britain would be very much open for business. We want investment in the UK, in the industries of the future. you don't have to go to Davos to do well, that. Well, actually... I mean, to go and hang out with all these kinds the of The World people. Economic Forum in, in Davos is a great opportunity to meet um, uh, global leaders, uh, to meet our opposite numbers. Uh, Keir Starmer met Leo Varadkar. Uh, I met um, uh, representatives from the German Treasury. That's incredibly important to have those opportunities, as well as meeting international investors and British business, uh, to set out Labour's uh, plans for clean power by 2013 to encourage investment into Britain. And, and I think this is really important because mm -hmm. there's a global race going on for mm -hmm. the industries of the future. President Biden 
is putting a huge bet on carbon capture and storage on mm -hmm. uh, electric vehicles. The European Union is doing the same. Mm -hmm. And Grant Shapps, the business secretary in Davos this week, said that those things were dangerous. Well, I'll tell you what is dangerous. It's sitting on the sidelines carping while other governments are taking the action to get investment into their countries. And I'm determined that Britain doesn't miss out in this global race for the mm -hmm. jobs of the future. And that's why Keir Starmer and myself are putting forward our plans mm -hmm. to business leaders uh, at the World Economic Forum this week. That's all for this week. I'm Isabel Hardman and this podcast was produced by Matthew Taylor. Don't forget to subscribe to the Coffee House Shots podcast on the iTunes store. And if you enjoyed this podcast, do subscribe to our daily evening blend email. It's a free roundup of all the political news each day, along with analysis and a diary on what to expect next. Just go to spectator.co.uk forward slash blend. Thanks for listening. And do join us again next week. <laughs>